0: Oh, shit. It's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin, three sides of a strange coin sometimes. So strange. Trey, heads or tails? Tails. Ah, here it is. It's flipping. It's flipping. looking at it.
1: Oh, it's it's heads. heads. All
0: right, Tarek. I'm going to
1: pull a little Bill Belichick and play defense. Defer the ball to Trey.
0: You're punting the ball to Trey. All right. Tell me what the best wide receiver tandem is for fantasy right now. Is it? A.J. Brown and Julio Jones or is it C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper oh wow okay
2: um it's C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and it's it's because of volume you know like they're gonna feed the rock to Derrick Henry there in in Tennessee and they you know the last couple of years they really have not led the league in a number of uh, plays they've run and uh last year Dallas uh was the complete other end of the spectrum so from from volume alone Uh, those guys in Dallas are going to be better options for fantasy this year. And, uh, yeah, they're pretty good too.
0: Angry tree, angry tree, (laughs) angry T. betray your boys.
1: Just call me young weeping willow. Betray my boys. All right. So it's going to be the Tennessee Titans. And here's why. Because Ryan Tannehill is an efficiency monster. Derrick Henry creates monster efficiency. And AJ Brown is a monster at being efficient and wait so is julio jones now for dynasty fantasy football you like efficiency you like touchdowns the tennessee titans led the league in touchdowns over the last two years so give me the titans fuck the cowboys
0: go titans you heard it here first and uh go austin fc angry trees <laughs> uh mitch you're such a homer
1: What the fuck is going on everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. No way that I can insert the Mavs into this conversation. So I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Binshuia. With me, Trey Kryon and Mitch Yates, we are without our friend John Alexander once again. Mitch, my friend, making sam darnold trades in one qb today huh how's it going
0: dude hey he wasn't the centerpiece and you know it and (laughs) i I gotta say man you're still wearing your fucking dallas mavs t-shirt so you're trying your hardest to uh put them into the conversation i'm glad you did because i was gonna ask you how they did but you know at least we can all agree that lucas sucks man and you know he he just has to do better
1: indeed trey how you doing man
2: i'm good i'm good I, I appreciated mitch's uh master deflection there on this uh sam darnold trade so uh
1: yeah i'm gonna insist that we put
2: that up on uh twitter and get some uh some community reaction to this because uh this one uh it I made me really want to check in on mitch and see how he was doing
0: so. you literally did you said are you all right man
1: mitch might have fucked around and got covid vaccine number three
0: or something <laughs> <laughs> But you guys didn't (laughs) watch one too many
2: Sam Darnold highlight and you know, there really aren't that many of them. So (laughs) you watched
1: all three Sam Darnold highlights, (laughs) Uh, but Robbie Anderson, we're going to have a lot of time to talk about Sam Darnold later in the show for today. We were talking about the NFC South, but before we get into that, we are going to talk about this Julio trade as it relates to the tennessee titans and then we're just going to transition into our first half content start off with the atlanta falcons so what does this julio trade do for the dynasty relevant options in tennessee is this good for everybody is it good for some
0: and bad for others mitch let's start with you well it's good for most of the relevant people involved here it's good for Tannehill, clearly even though y'all's rankings definitely don't represent that but mine I moved him up a couple spots. I have him at nine. Oh my goodness! Maybe that's aggressive. He's got two number one wide receivers right now, and he's like Derek Henry is keeping people stacked in the box. So yeah, I'm still high on Hen or uh, I'm still high on uh, Tannehill here.
2: No, no, no. I think I, I mean Ryan Tannehill uh, has been super efficient. So you know this definitely helps him having another uh, elite option in that offense. Uh, I think. Hulu Jones is probably going to give uh more to that offense than what Corey Davis did last year. And Corey Davis wasn't bad either. He almost had a thousand yard season. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's great news for Ryan Tannehill. It should help him be even more productive for, for fantasy than he already has been. I don't see him clearing that low end uh quarterback one range, though, which is why for dynasty ranks, I'm not really taking him, uh putting him in the top twelve yet, just cause there's a lot more upside with some of those younger guys that are kind of in that same range guys like burrow and lawrence and fields uh, for me.
0: Yeah. I think Tannehill's tendency to run to get those extra yards though, puts him into that tier for me. Uh, He's good for a couple of those a game and good for a rushing touchdown here and there too. So that's what keeps him right at the edge of the QB one tier for me. And he's still young enough, but the trade just propels the Titans offense really like, I I don't know I'm not like or you said we'll we'll talk about him when we get into the Titans I guess but uh, as for most of the big parties involved like Julio AJ Brown Tannehill Henry I think all of their values have either stayed the same or gone up
1: yeah I personally AJ Brown was my wide receiver one overall I moved him all the way down to wide receiver two um so I have him and Justin Jefferson essentially tied atop my rankings and because julio jones is going to take away the target ceiling that aj brown had you know we could have seen him with a hundred and you know 75 targets or something if he if it was just him and josh reynolds and anthony ferkser as the pass catchers there so i think realistically you have to take away that target ceiling but i still think both julio and aj brown can approach 150 targets each in this offense you know if you expect them to throw a little bit more, and so if they're throwing close to 500 times in a season, I think you can reasonably expect that 50% of those targets are going to go to uh, AJ Brown and Julio Jones, so 125, 150 targets for each of them I think is well within the realm of the poss- of possibilities, so I wouldn't knock AJ Brown much further down than that, and again, we are talking about dynasty here, so AJ Brown is a 23-year-old player, Julio Jones is 32 So you're going to have A.J. Brown for the long haul. All right, let's get into this first half content. Let's kick it off, boys. We're going to start with the Atlanta Falcons and then Tampa Bay Bucks. So only appropriate that we start with the Falcons because we are transitioning from the Julio trade for the Titans, and obviously this also affects all the dynasty relevant players on the Falcons as well. So quarterback situation in Atlanta is the same as it's been for the last decade, and that is Matty Ice, 36 years old. They recently restructured his contract, and that means he has a $40 million dead cap figure in 2022 and something like a $48 million cap hit. So we know that he is around for at least the next two years, 2021 and 2022. Last year, he was number four in passing yards, number one in completed air yards and also number one in interceptable passes. So he is risking that biscuit. We have him quarterback 21 in consensus. You know, we know who Matt Ryan is and we know that he's been much worse when Julio isn't on the field. So did the Julio trade ding Matt Ryan down a few spots in your rankings? Is he, is he still a guy that you're looking at maybe being your QB2 in Dynasty? What do y'all think?
2: Yeah, so to me, Matt Ryan just looks like a backup uh, quarterback at this point for uh, fantasy purposes. I don't think he's ever going to make it out of that QB2 range. And uh, if you're looking at quarterbacks in that range, why not go for somebody a little bit younger with a little bit more upside? Uh, The benefit of Matt Ryan, I guess, at this point, is value-wise is he will be very cheap. Uh, So he's okay depth for a contender or for somebody... Um, you know, playing
0: super flex and needs
2: uh, that second quarterback spot
0: filled. 2016, he was quarterback number two overall. 2017, he was 15th. 2018, he was number two again. 2019, he was 10. 2020, he was 12th. Mm-hmm. All of those are like number or QB1 numbers. And like, I'm with you. I'm I I, I agree with you. Like, I don't see him continuing to do that. But. Like when we say we know who Matt Ryan is, I'd like to just throw out that like he's been way better than like we act like he has been, at least in my opinion, because like Mm -hmm. to me, he's kind of dead to me. I don't exactly I don't I'm not exactly like searching for him. But I gotta recognize that he's been putting up QB one seasons, and in Superflex, that is pretty valuable.
2: Yeah, but the common thread for those years that you mentioned is Julio Jones, and also a couple of uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, years in there as well. So, I mean, with Arthur Smith running that offense, losing Julio Jones, you're gonna have to see guys like Calvin Ridley really step up and and be the alpha receiver in that offense, which we've seen him do occasionally when he's healthy, and then we're gonna have to see you know a one of the best rookie tight end seasons of all time out of uh, Kyle Pitts, to really fill that void left by Julio Jones going to Tennessee.
0: Yeah. I think his value really just lays in super flex at this point though, because he is just a backup in, uh, in my opinion as well. And, and single QB. Yeah. I think
1: that's really good actionable advice. If you can, you know, in in one QB or super flex, if you can flip Matt Ryan and, you know, uh, a third or a second, For a younger, higher upside quarterback, or if somebody is willing to trade you Mac Jones straight up for Matt Ryan. I'm probably doing that, especially as a rebuilder. So, um, the running backs in Atlanta, we got Mike Davis, who is our consensus running back 28. I have him at running back 33. I'm the lowest on him, but I can see him moving up a few spots given that they did pay him a decent amount of money for this year i'm a little bit worried that after trading julio so that they could get gain a little bit more cap flexibility that they do bring in someone else that kind of takes away some of the sheen from mike davis but i think if they haven't brought in anybody by now or that you haven't heard rumors i think they're going into the season really expecting mike davis to be their rb1 so I'm I'm thinking about moving him up a couple spots. What do y'all think about Mike Davis? Trey, let's start with you. So Mike Davis
2: is a talented guy. I mean, he's he's shown good value for fantasy in terms of, um, you know, being a handcuff in the past. Obviously, he had the huge year last year filling in while Christian McCaffrey was out in Carolina. And part of that is due to his pass catching ability uh, as a big guy uh, coming out of the backfield. So I, I think the biggest question mark to me is, can he really hold up over a full season, which is something that he's never really done before? And you know, to expect a guy to do that for the first time at age 28 or however old Mike Davis is, you know, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily bet on that. I think the opportunities uh, for him is going to be great early on in the season. And maybe after he, you know, has a few big games early on, you could probably flip them after week four or
0: five. He he doesn't have a whole lot of mileage, really. That's, that's what I see here. Like he's got good hands. Um, he's in a good situation. He survived the rookie draft, right? Like they didn't take anybody. Like, yeah, we're gonna talk about the guys behind him, and that's not a crowded room at all, so what he's twenty eight years old on a two year deal That's exactly what you're getting you You're getting two years, maybe maybe a year and a half, but like like for me, right now, if you're contending, like this is a great piece of your dynasty roster here, yeah, and what I'm saying is let him pop in the first couple of weeks of this year before you uh
2: flip him too, because then I think he he can show some value uh early on, uh at least as good as what Todd Gurley gave last year, which was uh RB2 production through the first half of the season.
1: Yeah, man. Oh, Todd Gurley. So uh behind Mike Davis we got Javian Hawkins, uh UDFA out of Louisville, small guy, 183 pounds. Um we got him kind of buried in our rankings a little bit, kind of in the seventies. He is just relevant insofar as this depth chart after Mike Davis is so open. You know, there is a, a narrative out there that Javian Hawkins is, a, is kind of a priority stash in dynasty. Are you guys feeling that way about Hawkins or is he more of just like a flyer?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm buying that. I think he's a priority own that that room is too thin. Like he could fall face first into a starting role right there. 'Cause like what, like I said, Cordero Patterson is like running back two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying like, hey, Javian Hawkins is like the shit. This guy is is amazing on tape. Go get him because of that. I'm just saying like this dude might just fall into volume.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I do think he is a, a priority uh UDFA ad, uh coming out of your rookie drafts and uh There was definitely some uh, some bids that were put in in our main league for him uh, right after our rookie draft. But uh, the other guy who just got a shout out today was uh, Quadri Oleson. Mm -hmm. This is his third year in the league, and um, and Arthur Smith, uh, you know, he gave him a shout out at uh, training camp today. Really praised him for his pass blocking abilities and and his um, you know ability to progress so far. And he's six foot one. He's two hundred twenty eight pounds. So he's got some really good size. Yeah, and uh, I mean he. Probably presents more of the early down type, higher volume role than a guy like Javian Hawkins does, who's a little bit smaller and quicker.
1: Let's move on to the wide receivers. We got Calvin Ridley, I believe, at our consensus wide receiver eight, although I don't know, Trey might have moved him up in the last couple of hours. I moved him up a little bit. Okay, so he may be a little bit higher than wide receiver eight. I do not have the rankings right in front of me, but last year he had a 25% target share with Julio Jones in and out of the lineup. he led the league in deep targets. He works that intermediate area of the field like a boss, those kind of deeper dig routes and curl routes. Um, Mitch, you got him just a tad lower at wide receiver 12 despite the Julio departure. So tell us your worries and why he's not firmly in the top 10.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. Like, he was actually at 14. And when I said I moved him up a little bit, I'm glad you, you got that. I had him up to 12. He, he did climb we're gonna we're gonna bake in some of that injury injury risk and that qb play into our rankings here and that's that's the issue that i have is like what we just talked about in matt ryan like we know what we have and well i'm not sure that is going in the right direction especially for ridley here so ridley is really fucking good like he is top five good i i think that he could be a top five receiver Everybody that I have ranked in the top 13 of my wide receivers, I believe, could be a top five receiver. He's Mm -hmm. just kind of on the back end of that because of, like, for example, like T. Higgins, I have ahead of him uh, because he has Joe Burrow and because T. Higgins is a little younger and a little less injury prone. That's that's where he's he's just at the back end of that, like, uh, massive upside guy. I don't know. I, I do feel like I'm undervaluing him. I really do. And yeah, and I, I think you are. I think you
2: are too, man. Uh, Cause I mean, compared to T Higgins, uh, Calvin Ridley looks like he's all set to put a top five uh, season together right now.
1: And if you, well, because he already did put a top five season together last
2: year, Yeah, he was, he was absolutely just smashing the end zone last year, which is something that Julio Jones never really did in that offense. So um, I think the sharp play would have been to have him ahead of, Adams and Diggs and Hopkins before Julio Jones left. So I'm a little bit annoyed at myself for waiting until after Julio Jones left to move him up there. But I feel pretty confident in that now, just based on uh, that top five upside that he has as a much younger player than those other uh, three elite options.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you calling me sharp, Trey.
2: (laughs) I'm just kicking myself for being uh, late to the, the table here.
1: Yeah. And Calvin Ridley, it's worth noting, is older than you think he is. He is turning 27 in December. He's a, only like a month younger than Stefan Diggs, which is uh, very surprising given how long each of them has been in the league. Um, so just keep that in mind. You know, he's still got his whole prime ahead of him, but he's a little bit older than, you know, a fourth year player normally would be. Let's talk about this kind of trifecta of deeper borderline unranked receivers in our rankings um that's russell gage olamidi Zacchaeus, and frank
0: darby um are you guys interested in rostering any of these three guys uh definitely not russell gage and i've heard people like make a make a decent case for russell gage but i encourage them to just go just go watch a little bit of tape on him like that it's weird the coaches seem like they liked him But every time he had a look or got the ball, it was just, he he seems like just a guy. And that's all he's going to be. That's all he's, it's not worth your time. Don't invest a pick in him.
1: So, I mean, the wide receiver two slot is obviously wide open in Atlanta. So, Trey, do you think Zacchaeus or Darby has a shot at getting on the field for 80, 90% of the snaps?
2: I'm not targeting any of these guys behind Calvin Ridley, so I'm I'm pretty low on all three of them, and part of that is just because I do think this offense is going to struggle a little bit. I'm not convinced that Atlanta's going to be a very good team this year, so I don't think there's a whole lot of touchdowns to go around outside of Calvin Ridley and the running backs, uh, but also with Kyle Pitts there, I think that's really who your wide receiver two is going to be in this offense, so...
1: Sure. Yeah, let's uh, I'll use that as a transition to talk about the tight ends. So Kyle Pitts is the tight end three in our ranks. John and Mitch got him all the way up at two. I have him at three and Trey you're still holding out a little bit with Waller ahead of him. We've talked so much about Kyle Pitts. Uh Let me just ask you this. If you are a rebuilder like you are not you feel like you're not going to be ready to contend until 2023. Would you trade any tight end for Kyle Pitts? Like, would you trade Kelsey straight up for Kyle Pitts, Kittle, Waller, etc.?
0: If I'm rebuilding, yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Trey, what about you? Yeah,
0: I mean, value-wise, absolutely.
2: I think uh, you might be able to get a little bit. Well, <laughs> I say that, but maybe, um, maybe you can squeeze out a little bit more from the Kelsey owner if you're mm-hmm. uh, offering Pitts. But uh, yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're rebuilding, I think Pitts is more valuable to your roster, and then it's just about like, can you get that other manager to throw in a little bit extra to make the
1: deal if you got the chance at getting travis kelsey 2.0 at 21 years old i think if you're a rebuilder you take that shot and and part of Um, the reason i
2: I may still be holding out on him is just because it is difficult to adjust to a tight end in the nfl and um, i know a lot of us are kind of already slotting him in for the best rookie season of all time for a tight end but that's what he's got to do in order to justify this uh
0: (laughs) this value I just see him playing the slot really. I think that's what's going to happen here because like the guy that we're about to talk about and probably gloss over very quickly is Hayden Hurst, right? Like that guy is still playing like the actual tight end position there. Like yeah. he he was there last year. He's going to be the primary blocking tight end, right? So like I don't feel like um I don't feel like Kyle Pitts is going to have to do shit as far as like blocking tight end goes.
2: No, I agree. I don't think you draft a a tight end uh, in the top five picks to have him come in and just spend his whole rookie year blocking. But uh, the main thing is, is for the big three with Kelsey Waller and Kittle, I think they'll they'll all see 130 plus targets this year, whereas uh, Pitts probably slots in closer to about 100, which is in like the Hawkinson and Goddard range.
1: We are going to talk about Hayden Hurst. He is our tight end 27 in consensus, and I'm actually the highest on him. I got him up at uh, tight end 23, and I believe that he is going to be the third target in the passing game. Like Mitch said, he's probably going to be the primary in line and blocking tight end, but Arthur Smith's offense was kind of near uh, the top of the league when it uh, it comes to two tight end sets. So I think he's going to get a lot of on-field playing time. And yes, he'll be blocking a lot, but I also think in terms of targets, he's going to get you know, a decent chunk of targets for somebody that you could have on your dynasty roster as a low end tight end to this is maybe somebody that you could get really cheap. Um, that is stream worthy, potentially. What do you all think?
0: So I'm looking at Hayden Hurst uh, numbers from last year. And clearly this is without uh, Kyle Pitts on the roster. All of these all of these games, man, the, like he shows up in probably five and five games with uh, over 8 points in standard and he's just not a guy that i i think is worth rostering at this point in in dynasty i think no i'm not going to drop him i i'm going to try and find some value there but mm-hmm. no i i don't think he's option number 3 at all i i'm sorry i i just don't You're,
1: so are you are a believer in Russell Gage, Olamide Zacchaeus or Frank Darby then right Mitch? Because who is number three? Because this is an offense that throws the ball a shit ton.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, like, Darby was going to be the guy that I was going to throw in there because, like, Mm -hmm. even though his numbers aren't good, they they aren't great. They're not good either. Um, But the one thing that the guy is good at is contested catches and uh, tracking down a deep ball. Yeah, Yeah. So, like, I see his role there. And I... I'm not banging the table on him either. Like none of these guys have a whole lot of upside. I think the the guys that you want in this offense aren't on the team yet. Yeah. And
2: and maybe this is a, uh, a crutch argument, uh, but I mean, think back to the Titans offense from uh, two years ago when Arthur Smith was still there. Uh, was there really a third option in that offense that you wanted to target? Um, I mean, because besides AJ Brown and, and maybe even Corey Davis, I don't think anybody else in that offense was really fantasy relevant. So I'm not, totally convinced that there is a third player that you really need to go after in Atlanta, especially when they're probably not going to win more than like six or seven games.
1: Yeah. Well, 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 Trey, you were uh, ruining my convenient argument about Atlanta being a team that throws the ball a lot. kind of ignoring that Arthur Smith is the guy coming over to lead the offense. So we'll see what happens. He doesn't have Derrick
0: Henry though. So he's going to have to mix it up. Yeah. He certainly does not have the King.
1: All right, let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at quarterback. Bad Tom Brady <laughs> QB eight last year per Fantasy Pros in points per game forty touchdowns and twelve interceptions the man turns forty four in August but I think he's a perfectly great quarterback to have on your contending roster I think he is a lock to be a QB one in twenty twenty one and like I said last week you can sell him for a Zach Wilson or something if you want to rebuild but I think if you're contending he's a target. Last year, number one in deep ball attempts. So him and Bruce Arians were collabing on that no risk it, no biscuit offense. Number one in money throws per player profiler. And they define that as difficult or athletic throws in clutch moments. So Tom Brady's a guy that I think can be a quarterback one on a contending roster. Mitch, what do you think?
0: I just I think it's crazy you say that. and And in the same breath, you have Tom Brady at quarterback 19. And like, I, I get it. Well, we I play get Dynasty. It. Um,
1: I don't know if you know this is a Dynasty podcast. I'm well aware so... of it. But
0: like I'm also and, and, and Tom Brady is forty four years I old. I didn't give so. you a
1: contract or anything, but we do talk about dynasty
0: Okay, well on, I on I just want to throw this out here is like, you know, if there's if there's one rule in betting is that you should always bet against Tom Brady, dude. One hundred percent of the time, just you know, when you think he's gonna like not be good or be old or something. Bet against him mm. because no, I
1: appreciate that.
0: Like I have him at fifteen. I I get it. That's still not in QB one territory necessarily. But like at the end of the day, this dude finished QB seven last year. Like that's a QB one. In fact, like he's. I think I I looked this up right. He he did, last ten years he's been a QB one uh, eight times. And mm-hmm. uh, the two times he was and he was uh, QB, what, 14 and at something doesn't matter. The point is, the guy has always been a QB one and he's on the best offense as far as fantasy goes, in my opinion, with uh, with the weapons that he has right now. I'm not going to bet against him now. And mm-hmm. I think that he's going to be a very good asset for a competing team for this year and likely next year as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could certainly move him ahead of Tua and Baker and maybe even Matt Stafford, who I have, you know, ahead of him. But, you know, I do value youth and dynasty and I do value rushing upside, which is why Tom Brady isn't, you know, getting into you know, uh, close to the top 12 for me. But Trey, what do you think about Tom Brady?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know that this offense is going to be better than the Kansas City Chiefs, but it'll definitely score some points this year. And uh, I, I do like Brady as a low-end QB1, high-end QB2. Um, I definitely see him, you know, providing value to a contender as that second quarterback in a Superflex League. Uh, in one QB, though, I mean, I think that justifies him slipping down into that 20 range because, he doesn't really have the, that opportunity to jump into that top five at the position unless he plays at like a Aaron Rodgers MVP level next year, which I guess is possible. Yeah, <laughs> but I would rather bet on the upside of some of these younger guys with the Konami Code aspect to their game.
0: That's uh, that's absolutely fair. But he did finish quarterback seven last year, so yeah, quarterback five definitely definitely not like he doesn't but, have-
1: yeah I mean we have to project what we think is going to happen over the next couple of years and while I I did say that I think he's going to be a quarterback one in 2021 I'm worried about five years from now you know and I and I think that the production arc for a guy like Tua Baker or Trey Lance it, that's I'm going to rank the them ahead of tom brady that's just how i play dynasty
2: guys don't be surprised if trey lance outscores brady in a points per game basis this year
1: yeah we'll we'll see all right so the running backs on the tampa bay buccaneers we got uh playoff lenny lombardi lenny rb 27 in our rankings and ronald jones at rb 31 in consensus John and Trey actually have Ronald Jones ranked a bit ahead of Lenny, though. So, Trey, since John is not here, you get to make the argument all by yourself.
2: All right. Well, look, uh, I I only think he's probably a running back three uh, if everybody's healthy. So it's not like he's going to win you a championship. Uh, but the guy is still super young, right? So he he turns 24 in August. And last year he had 12.3 half PPR points per game which is actually the same ballpark as guys like Kareem Hunt and Miles Sanders. So, you know, he did miss two games at the end of the year with that broken finger, and he had that quad injury, which had a missed time in the playoffs. And and that's sort of what allowed Leonard Fournette to be the main guy in that backfield and kind of take over and and get all the hype. You know, we all have short-term memories in fantasy football, so we remember what uh, Fournette did at the end of the year last year, and we kind of forget that, hey, Ronald Jones was the guy for – 90% of that season so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and project him to lead the team in carries uh probably only get like maybe 10 or 11 a game but he's still two years younger than Lenny he's probably gonna get more volume so that's why I think he's a better dynasty value
1: yeah shout out uh at jetpack Galileo on Twitter excellent follow from the FF astronauts he tweeted out a graphic just a couple hours ago, top 30 running backs in terms of average yards after contact per attempt over the last three years. And the guy who leads that list is none other than Ronald Jones at over three yards after contact per attempt. So this is a guy, especially on the ground, not much of a pass catcher, kind of stone hands, but uh, he's definitely got some wiggle and some elusiveness to him. Mitch Yates, what do you think about him? this Lenny versus Ronald Jones debate. We all have them really close in our rankings.
0: Right. I I have them very close as well. I have Jones at 34 and Lenny at 32. And I think you can make a case either way. Like, really had a difficult time doing this because Jones does look better. He passes that eye test every time he's on the field. Like, he just looks fluid and he's big and he's 23 years young, right? Like, but he just is never in the favor of the coaching staff. And, like, guys like Lenny, theoretically, what, he's 26, uh, gonna yeah. be 27. Like, he shouldn't be getting the carries based on the way that I see the game playing out, but he's getting them. And I think that as long as Ronald Jones is in that offense, he's less valuable to me than Leonard Fournette. Hmm. And it's freaking close. And we're talking about running back 32 and 34. Like, we're talking about dudes that I'm not exactly, like, trying to go out of my way to get either but it it's close and I I think you could justify either one
1: yeah Ronald Jones is crazy young deeper down the list on the running back depth chart we have Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn uh I thought it was funny a couple of weeks ago Bruce Arians was kind of talking shit about Vaughn publicly for not uh showing up to voluntary OTAs and going to Tom Brady's practice instead hate to see are it. you guys targeting either Gio or Vaughn no
0: <laughs> I like Geo. I I said this before. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to go crazy about it, but I I do think that Geo has his role in this offense. Like like I said before, Brady went out of his way to get him aboard here. Uh none of the other guys really are you just mentioned Stonehand Jones. Um Leonard Fournette can catch the ball but that's not what his specialty is. I can see Gio being on the field and being valuable to a PPR league.
1: All right, let's move on to this wide receiver room because it maybe is the best room in the league, at least from top to bottom. We got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown kind of heading the three-headed monster. Chris Godwin is our wide receiver 16, and Mike Evans is our wide receiver 19. Godwin finished as the wide receiver two, I believe, overall in 2019, guys, uh, after Michael Thomas only. He dealt with injuries. He was number eight in terms of fantasy points per target last year. And I feel like we might be fading him too hard along with the rest of the community after he was kind of a darling last offseason.
2: There's there's a lot in there. I mean, Godwin right now, I think, is definitely the guy to have in Dynasty because since he's you know, clearly the youngest and he's shown that he can put together that top five season before. Uh, And I would say he's also going to be the guy to have in redraft just because he was uh, super productive when he was on the field last year. He did miss some time due to injury. But the thing we got to worry about is Antonio Brown got eight targets a game last year, which was more than Godwin and Evans, who are both closer to seven a game. So Uh, it could very well just be a three-headed monster perfectly even split across the board and that is going to cut into godwin's production uh in 2021 now who knows what will happen uh beyond that i mean since he's younger then he still has a ton of dynasty value but um for redraft i think he will lead the team but it might not be much better than a wide receiver two type season Right,
0: which is exactly where I have him, wide receiver 19. I feel like that is absolutely fair. And that is weighing in uh, that his his second-place finish in 2019, that's remarkable. But last year he was number 32, and the year before he was second, he was 25th. Like, that is perfect for wide receiver 9, 9, 19. That Those are the expectations. He puts up donuts in, like, four-point games, too. Like, that's in his wheelhouse. Like we said, he missed some
1: injuries last year. That's why he finished at wide receiver 32. That's why I highlighted number eight in terms of fantasy points per target. And Mike Evans actually had the same exact fantasy points per target. But the difference is Evans needed 13 touchdowns to do it, right? So Evans might have that role. He's kind of like a goal line back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I think Godwin is the guy that's much more reliable. I think Evans is the guy that you would expect to put up donuts, to put up two-point games, whereas Godwin is a guy that you can maybe rely on in PPR leagues a little bit more. Well, and Evans is
2: definitely going to have those big swings from week to week, so obviously that's great value in best ball formats, but um, because he is so much more touchdown dependent, you, you know, you're going to have that higher variabil- variability than a guy like Godwin. Uh, The flip side of that is, though, is that, you know, he it's definitely something he excels at. Right. So I wouldn't just say he's, you know, a lock to regress to the mean on those touchdowns. Like he's still going to get his work in the red zone.
1: Right. I mean, Tom Brady did throw 40 touchdowns last year, so there is a good amount to go around. And Mike Evans had 13 of them. So there's a situation I could foresee, especially if you think Chris Godwin is just a straight up good wide receiver where the touchdowns kind of shift a little bit more toward Godwin. He did get a good amount of red zone looks when he was healthy. So I just think like he is a guy because of his age, he is on the franchise tag. So he could be moving on after a year. We'll have to see, but because of his age and because of that, he's demonstrated the ability to put up a top five season. He's somebody that you could take a stab at if you believe in that talent. Now, out of Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, and the rookie out of North Texas, Jalen Darden, who would you like to have as a bench piece? As I said, Godwin is on the tag. AB only has a one-year deal, so there could be an open spot in a year or so. Sorry, Trey.
2: No, no, I, I like Tyler Johnson a little bit. I think he's got some good stash appeal. He had some great college production at Minnesota on that same team as Rashad Bateman. And he showed some really good flashes as a rookie last year. Now, granted, he was only a fifth round pick, so adjust your expectations accordingly. But um, I don't think he's going to provide a ton of value in twenty twenty one. But you're absolutely mm-hmm. right that that room could open up, uh, you know, all the way open in twenty twenty two, and he could just be one of the guys to really uh, show enough this year to step into one of those
0: uh, starting roles. And I think I'm I'm actually fading both of them. Darden, Darden and Johnson. Uh, Scotty Miller can take a fucking hike, dude. Um, <laughs> okay. No, I, I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking about the the young guys here. I'm fading them both because Bruce Arians is just so shown that he loves the veteran player, and mm-hmm. I feel like if one of these guys leaves, they're gonna pick up somebody else in free agency. I think these guys are gonna be like. Yeah. Keep an eye on them. Sure. But I'm not wasting my uh, taxi spot for one of them. I'm going to keep an eye on them if they start to grow a role in the offense, then sure. But right now, nah. Let's talk about this tight end group.
1: Same old group from last year. We got Rob Gronkowski at tight end 20. Mitch has him at tight end 14 um oj howard we have at tight end 31 but i have him at tight end 25 so first let's talk about gronk i'll kick it over to mitch uh you've got him kind of a very high end tight end too so
0: right and i've been banging the table as long as you can know i've been trying to sing the song of the old guys in dynasty and here's a great example of why the shallow position of the tight end group um like gronkowski is coming back to tom brady that's a big deal um, like I referenced before, he, he put up two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. The the guy, is he's got that connection with Brady. He's going to be putting up touchdowns. He's going to be getting catches. He's going to be involved in that offense. And as long as Brady's there, like I said this before, I think Brady's going to be there for two more years. I don't see why Gronk won't be there either. Uh, say they get bounced in the playoffs and think that they can win a Super Bowl next year. I can see them both coming back. So, like, he he gets up that high tight end 14 for me because I don't view this as a one-year rental just as I didn't last year when I blew my free agent budget when he came out of (laughs) retirement like I looked at it as a potential like he might stick around he's still relatively young and he's still fucking Rob Gronkowski like you guys said like I mean
2: he's roughly about the same age as Travis Kelsey right like uh, with with a lot more injuries and wear and tear on his body, and and I mean Mitch to just continue piling on. He was number ten last year in yards per route run, and he was number two in unrealized air yards. So there's actually reason to think he could be better in this year. But 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 <laughs> OJ Howard was hurt most oh, of last no, season. He's don't. still there. And, <laughs> don't and all right, yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. And OJ Howard, look, I'm gonna make the case for OJ Howard yes, because dude. I I still no. believe in his talent. He is still. Only 26 years old. I think he's got some time to have a good kind of second half to his career or, you know, second 66% of his career. I think someone is going to pay him next year and he's very much worth a stash in Dynasty. He's coming off the Achilles injury, which is a horrible injury, obviously. It's true. He was hurt. For most of the year, Pans last out year. Out your
0: goddamn mind, dude.
1: He is going. What he's going to do is he's going to cut into
0: Gronk's
2: upside, and he's going to keep keep him out of the tight end one range because Gronk is not the only tight end on that in that room. And it's like you already said, it's there's a lot of mouths to feed, so there's just not enough work to keep Gronk in that top twelve discussion.
0: That's fair, but uh, <laughs> like when you look at when you look at the guys in front of him, man, like that's the thing. Like if you're if you're trying to win a dynasty championship and you can buy we've talked about the price tag of Gronkowski right now if you're a contender do we really think that a third round pick is out of the question
1: maybe I I think I think his ceiling is a low-end tight end one right because of all the mouths to feed in that offense that's my personal opinion so a third round pick for a one maybe two-year rental that's worth it for a low-end tight end one but I don't know if that's how I want to allocate my assets in Dynasty. I think there are other ways that you can engage that third round pick in order to give you more sustainable production. And
2: Tarek, let me take that a step further. If you don't have a top five guy at a onesie position, then you're not a contender. Like you, you have to have the positional advantage at the onesies to really, really, um, you know, give your roster that
0: uh, opportunity to compete in the playoffs. Say so you are a contender and you lose that guy. You want a guy like Gronkowski in there, man. I, yeah. just I mean, saying. that's fine for death, yeah, like, but let's just not say
1: that he's like a reliable piece of like a championship roster. Um, I mean, we know from last week that, you know, the only guy that Mitch would consider trading <laughs> Rob Gronkowski away for is Dawson Knox, who he has ranked one spot ahead of him. Yeah, so. Or Anthony Frickster, apparently. <laughs> I love you, Mitch. All right, let's move into our halftime. Wait, hang on. Mic check. Yes, it is halftime. All right. So as a reminder, our halftime segment is a question that I ask of our panelists every week, and they give me an argument-based answer, and I arbitrarily decide who I think had the best argument this week. The question is thusly, who is a running back outside of the top 25 in DLF ADP, shout out DLF, that you are targeting at their current price in your dynasty leaks trey go for it all right so my guy is aj Dillon, who's currently at
2: adp uh 31 for running backs uh i've only got him at running back 30 in my ranks so i'm not like super high on him compared to adp but the reason i say he's a good t- guy to target is just he's going to have standalone value this year because he's going to step into that role that jamal williams just left and he's shown that he has good pass catching ability in the past too And all he needs is one uh, Aaron Jones injury uh, from, you know, awesome every week running back one upside. So he's probably one of, if not the best handcuffs in the game, he's only 23. So I think he's good value for a contender or a rebuilder. And seriously, like right now, after what happened with the Aaron Jones contract, after what happened with Aaron Rodgers saying that he may or may not want to come back, he's never going to be cheaper. And I don't necessarily think that Rogers leaving totally tanks his value either. So at this price, I say go and get AJ Dillon and stash him for next year.
1: AJ Dillon and Jordan love backfield of dreams for Green Bay for the next 10 years. Mitch, your go.
0: All righty guys. So uh perhaps I'm throwing in the towel already with this one, but like I told you before, I'm prepared to die on this hill. So uh Tarek, this is your running back 28. Trey, this is your running back 33. Uh, DLF's got him twenty five point seventy seven, but uh, we'll play. Can you guess this fucking guy? I know you can. He's uh running back. He was running back number seven last year in PPR and in standard. He's twenty two fucking years old. Uh, sixty targets, forty nine receptions, seven touchdowns. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about James Robinson here. So Trey, I I like that you mentioned that your guy was one injury away from massive uh, production here. Well. So is my guy, apparently. Uh, he did it last year. ETN goes down. Um, well, he's right back into a running back seven-year. He already showed us that he can do it. Also, we're looking at like a 17-game season this year and an 18-game season next year. So buying, buying a running back that's 22 years old that's shown the ability to be a reliable pass catcher and a reliable fantasy scorer... That's that's something you might want for a roster that you're trying to build here. So he's young, he's on an ascending offense, and he's much cheaper than the uh, price tag that he used to be with the uh, draft pick of ETN there. So my guy, James Robinson. Oh man, this
1: is this is honestly probably the hardest decision I've had to make because I mean, first of all, Mitch, you really took outside of the top 25 seriously. ADP 25.77 for for James Robinson. So I appreciate that that slight move there. Here's why I'm going to go with Trey, even though I think Mitch, great show for sure. I'm going to go with Trey because honestly, I thought Mitch, you kind of did like a 45 second preamble. That didn't really get into the meat of your argument. That's what I do. So I'm gonna, That's what I so do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Trey because he jumped into the meat of his argument quicker. I think both of these guys are fantastic buys in Dynasty. So bravo to both of you. Um, I think this is actually really actionable advice. Mitch took his own advice in our main Dynasty league, and we are going to talk about that shortly. Um buying James Robinson. And I think AJ Dillon is also a great target. I, I think do too. both of them I love that. they're in the same range to where if I saw a one for one trade, I wouldn't blame either party. AJ Dillon does have the better draft capital attached to him. So even though you we saw guys in your draft. even though we saw James Robinson um do really well last year, as we saw just um, a couple months ago, they are not as invested in James Robinson succeeding as Green Bay would be after taking AJ Dillon in the second round so that's why I'm going with Trey we're shifting back to uh, Trey winning every week you know um, my biases are that Trey wins every week I just like Trey the most so look I can't argue with that that
0: was part of the preamble was that I knew that I was losing and I wanted you to know
1: that was hard so good job guys all right by both AJ Dillon and James Robinson I love it let's move on to this second half We're going to do the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. At quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, we got Sammy D, Sam Darnold. They could have had Justin Fields, but they're rolling with Sam mononucleosis Darnold, (laughs) a.k.a. Sam unvaccinated Darnold, a.k.a. Sam I see dead people Darnold. Quarterback 28 in our consensus. But there's a man who believes, and that man's name is Mitchell James Yates because as part of that James Robinson deal that he made today, he also bought Samuel L. <laughs> Darnold. So, Mitch, what the fuck's going on? QB 19, bro. Yeah,
0: well, as as Trey asked, am, am I
2: okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's this sort of trade where it's like, is this a cry for help? I need to check it yeah, out.
0: Listen, listen, I don't believe in ghosts, man. I do believe that old whack Darnold has his fucking farm of wide receivers and he's got his running back. And uh, yeah, they did pass on field sure that that means something for 2021 but we're also talking about a trade in single quarterback all right he's my third quarterback on that roster the centerpiece like i mentioned is not around him he's much more valuable in a super flex league with all those pieces around him so like i said that that means well for 2021 but that doesn't mean shit for 2022 if he, if he goes out there and sucks, well, they, they are definitely going to replace him. I absolutely believe that. But I think the support system is there. I think the new coaching staff went out and got him. And they're going to at least see what they have in him. So I can see him being like in the top 20 or top 15, which is all oh, you'd really need him to be if you had him in Superflex.
2: Look, man, I, I'm going to just continue repeating myself here. I don't think a guy who's like quarterback 20 is like valuable, all that valuable in Superflex because that, I mean, who does that help? That's not like adding points to a contending roster. Right. So, um, I mean, and, and let's just say this, like Darnold ending up in Carolina is probably the best landing spot he could have possibly hope for. Uh, I mean, I love the, the offensive coordinator they have there, uh, Joe Brady out of LSU. Um, he actually got quite a bit out of Teddy Bridgewater last year and say what you will about Darnold. He, has at least has higher upside than Teddy Bridgewater does. So Mm -hmm. he's either going to do really well and you know, he's going to swim or he's going to absolutely bomb and sink and be out of the league in a year. So, um, there's, there's definitely some high risk, high reward. And if he bombs, then at least they'll be in a position to get the next, uh, top 10 quarterback, uh, in the 2022 draft.
0: But see, man, I disagree strongly. I think you really need a good, like third quarterback and, uh, and super flex man right as a backup
2: as a backup yeah it, yeah def- which is different than adding points to your starting roster
0: well he's go no 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 he's going to be putting points in your starting roster if one of your guys goes down is what i'm saying you're still going to be starting him over like a like a wide receiver a quarterback
1: three right so uh, that's where i would you have him at quarterback 19 which means you believe he is a quarterback two quarterback twos in super flex are super di- are, are super valuable Quarterback threes are also valuable, but I think what Trey is trying to say is that in order to be a true contender in a dynasty format, you have to have positional advantages at almost every, if not every, slot. That's You can luck into a championship if you are rostering a quarterback two in your quarterback two spot or a quarterback three in your quarterback two spot, but you're not a true locked-in contender unless you have quarterback one in your quarterback two spot in super flex. So I think that's where Trey is coming from. That is uh, no, correct me if I'm wrong. No, that
2: is Tarek. I mean well put. I, the whole idea is just if you want to really build a contending roster, you have to have that positional advantage across the board. So uh, I just don't see a guy who's like slotting in at the middle of pack. It's the same reason they got rid of Teddy Bridgewater, right? Because he provided basically replacement level or slightly better uh quarterback play for him last year. But since he wasn't ever going to be the guy that Take him to the playoffs. That's why they let him go to Denver.
1: At running back, we got CMC White Jesus Christian McCaffrey. 30 fantasy points per game last year in PPR. I mean, he just turned 25 a few days ago. He's firmly in his prime. I think you got a solid three years of top three production as long as he's healthy. Anything to say about Christian McCaffrey, RB1 in Dynasty?
0: Uh, as long as he doesn't get hurt again, he's number one for me. He can single-handedly win you the entire ship if he's healthy. So to me, he's the most valuable piece in Dynasty without question.
2: I'll I'll say this. If you're looking like you're, you've are you got a rebuilding roster, I think it's okay to trade Christian McCaffrey at this point. And, and that's just because he's coming off the massive injury. He's a little bit older. And I think with CMC, he still has enough value to where you can get one of the top rookies plus picks. So guys like Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, plus some draft capital, I think is all fair if you're trying to start that rebuild.
1: Essentially, every running back in Dynasty, you should always be looking to sell them at max value, right? So CMC is a very sellable asset, but that doesn't mean he's not RB1 in Dynasty, right? So uh behind christian mccaffrey they have chuba hubbard who they drafted in the fourth round out of oklahoma state we saw mike davis be a more than serviceable replacement last year chuba is 45 in our consensus and we're all right around that mark i might move him up a bit because i think he's such a high priority backup and you know exactly what you're investing in you know you're not really banking on him taking any work from Christian McCaffrey. You're essentially know that when you invest in Chuba Hubbard, you're investing in a backup. If Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, Chuba Hubbard becomes extremely valuable. Yeah.
2: I don't think there's much else to say. I think he's, he's not a bad handcuff. I would not expect much because they're going to
0: funnel that offense through white Jesus for sure. But at the same time, he's an absolute must own. Like I'd want in on him. I, I got him at 41 with a ton of upside. Like CMC missed the entire season. Like, that's a big deal. Uh, He's got a clear path to uh, a lot of volume there.
1: Uh, I would personally advise dropping Reggie Bonifon. I think he is nothing. Uh, Let's move on to the wide receivers. This is a really fun group. We got a bona fide DJ Moore truther on the pod here and Mitch Yates. A guy we bring up every show because his research and tool is so indispensable. Matt Harmon's tracking of DJ Moore and reception perception has been really fun. Uh, over the last couple of years. Because in his rookie year, DJ Moore was below the 10th percentile success rate against press coverage. In the second year, he got up to 55th percentile. Last year, in his third year, he was at 75th percentile. And this is a guy that doesn't really need separation to be elite because of his athleticism and his ability to make contested catches and just moss people. But the fact that he's clearly working on separation, clearly working on his route running... Is super exciting to me. It's having me want to raise DJ Moore in his rankings. But Mitch,
0: let me kick it to you. I've been the biggest DJ Moore truther that I've known. And I've spent a good amount of time on Twitter now, knowing that I'm not alone. So I know that I feel better that there are some more of you guys out there. Uh we've talked a ton about DJ Moore on on our podcast and like I'm a big truther and why not, right? Like I I'm not gonna walk through all of that, but the man is 24. And the biggest gripe is that he doesn't score touchdowns, but he finished 40th his first year, 22nd the second year, and 17th the following year last year. So why is he 11? I guess for me, I see that his talent, um, I, I believe that he's a top five wide receiver talent in the NFL. And so when he has that sort of upside, I just, I, I think we're waiting on a uh, on a breakout on a guy that's already put up 3,000 yards like his breakout if he starts scoring touchdowns is a wide receiver one easy if not a top five wide receiver so i've been in on him i'm still in on him and i think this is his best chance to do
2: it yeah and and some you guys probably remember i talked about him in uh in halftime last week as my uh guy to fade in the top 25 and uh mitch what you didn't touch on was the fact that last year he was out targeted by his teammate robbie anderson on a uh targets per game basis robbie anderson had Eight and a half versus seven point nine for DJ Moore. So, it is, is possible that that happens again this year because Robbie Anderson's still there on the last year of his contract.
0: It is. It's a different quarterback too, though. But at the same time, that quarterback has also played with Robbie Anderson. So, I definitely see where you're coming from there.
2: Yeah, and and so just the fact that there is that competition for targets, and we've seen this offense is like supporting three wide receivers, right? The the what they were saying at the end of the year last year is, well, there's three, you know, top 30 wide receivers. Well, Curtis Samuel left and now they brought in the rookie, who, you know, Joe Brady knows from his time at LSU. So uh I think that fact kind of uh cuts into the target share a little bit for DJ Moore and just caps his upside, which is why I don't quite have him in that same wide receiver one range that you do.
1: Terrace Marshall is wide receiver 40 in our consensus, and Robbie Anderson is wide receiver 46. So, Trey, I know you just referenced Terrace Marshall, but this is a guy that you've been high on from a prospect perspective. Talk to us a little bit about the landing spot.
2: Vacated targets aren't real, but there are some vacated targets there for uh, for Terrace Marshall. So, um, you know, we, we've seen Curtis Samuel excel in this offense just last season. It's the same coordinator, the same coach that uh, Terrace Marshall had at LSU. That's Joe Brady. You know, he looks like he's going to hit in year one because there's I, I think they they brought him in in the second round uh, to fill that void left by Samuel. And the reason I loved him so much coming out of college is he just ticks all the boxes in terms of the size, the speed, the, the college dominator, um, everything. So, yeah, I think he's going to step in right away and and be a productive piece in that offense
1: and mitch as far as robbie anderson uh like we referenced kind of the shower narrative with darnold uh there in new jersey you are actually also the highest on robbie anderson out of all of us you have him at wide receiver 38 so
0: well i think it's more along the lines of i believe in this offense and so if i'm claiming that i believe in old whack arnold and i'm claiming that i believe in dj moore and the ability of Christian McCaffrey to stay healthy, then believing that um old What's his nuts, um Robbie Anderson, where's that bear over there? Who's that bear over there? Like I have him at I have him at wide receiver 38. Okay. So last year he finished wide receiver 27 in standard and 19 in PPR. So like wide receiver 38 is really like just you know kind of respectful to what i think that he can do he's in a contract year with a familiar quarterback i think that's reasonable expectations with upside at the same time he's 28 years old and i don't i don't know if he gets another big contract but finishing wide receiver 38 27 that kind of territory that's starting caliber player so yeah. like he does have value. i
2: So Mitch, I agree. I think he's great value at his current ADP, which is wide receiver fifty four, which Holy is crazy. Shit. And I'm the one high. up. On. And and you know I, I'm just based on what he did last year and based on the the volume that he could get in this offense, and you know his knack for finding the end zone, which we saw last year. I think it's possible that we could see him in the same range as guys like. Brandon Ayek and Kenny Galladay, who are being drafted way, way higher. Definitely. Right.
1: Let's move on, gloss over these tight ends really quickly. We got Dan Arnold, Ian Thomas, and Tommy Tremble in that order as the projected depth chart right now. Tremble is the only one that we have ranked reasonably high, but they did pay Dan Arnold to catch some passes. Like, this is a guy that's not coming in to the offense, you know, to... To block. He's he is a pass catcher. So also undeniable the Darnold to Dan Arnold name chemistry. So
2: so so you guys know I do have Dan Arnold in our main league. And the main reason I've kept him on board is just I I like the athletic profile and his ability to um, you know, rack up a lot of uh efficiency in terms of yards per catch. And part of that is the fact that he's still got wide receiver eligibility and he's really just a s under a big wide receiver, undersized tight end. But I'm really just waiting for the day that he has a couple of big weeks in a row so I can move him. I think Tommy Trimble is really the guy who has a chance to provide or grow into a starting caliber uh, tight end for fantasy. But uh, as Mitch likes to say, these tight ends are going to take, they take some time to develop, you know, so Trimble is not going to be ready to go in year one. I watched a lot of them at Notre Dame. He Uh, plays a lot more like an H back than like a guy who lines up in the slot or in line. So um, there's, there's going to be some growing pains probably. And, and the other thing is this is not an offense that has passed a ton to the tight end in the past.
1: So Ian Thomas had a golden opportunity last year and he just completely shit the bed. So drop Ian Thomas. Let's move on to our final team in this division. And that is the new Orleans saints. All right. At quarterback. Oh, fuck. I think all of us presently on the show are projecting Jameis to take the job. John, who is not here. So we're just going to trash talk him is hedging his face off having Taysom Hill at 37 and Jameis at 38 for us. Jameis is consensus 29. I am the highest on him at 25. Actually. I think Mitch just moved him up. I think he's going to have an extremely short leash with Sean Payton. And that is my biggest worry. But if he plays 16 games, we know that he can be a top five quarterback in 2019 he was number eight in fantasy points per game number one in passing yards and super number one in interceptions
2: all else equal and you got you know two quarterbacks who aren't very good would you rather have the guy who throws a lot of bombs and a lot of picks or the guy who can maybe do a little bit with his legs and maybe i'm oversimplifying here but Um, I I'm with you. I think Jameis Winston very well could lose the job halfway through. I think he's also probably the better passer out of the two, but uh, in the four games at quarterback last year, where Taysom Hill started, he had 24, 19, 24 and 20 points per game in those weeks. So he's not nothing. And guess what? True. Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady, both averaged 22 points per game last season and they're a lot older.
0: So if I'm gonna roll the dice on these idiots, well, I, I might as well go double all in, as uh, as Kyle always says. Like you might as well, you might as well get them both, because if if Jameis Winston is your guy, like yeah, that's a good fantasy quarterback, and I I think I have him. Yeah, Tarek, I'm moving him up to 26, so I got him right where you do. Um, I believe that the short leash is absolutely realistic. This guy just prays and sprays, or sprays and prays and if they have the right pieces to like catch the ball on contested throws, then maybe I'm into this offense. Like I can believe Mike Thomas would be good for that and put up a lot of numbers.
1: Let's move on to the running backs, Alvin Kamara. He's RB six in our consensus. And I think we're in line with the slight fade that he is experiencing in the community due to the changing of quarterback. And his age cliff is approaching. He's turning 26, but he's so good. Just a lock for 80-plus receptions or so, but that is with Drew Brees. And I think we're going to see that fall no matter who wins the quarterback job, but we need to be prepared for it. But I don't know. Maybe they lean on him more as a rusher. 7.1 yards per target last year for Alvin Kamara, which is just elite at the running back position. But are we selling?
0: I don't know if you can at this point because if everybody I
1: mean I I sold Alvin Kamara for DeAndre Swift in a second round pick in a one QB
0: league just FYI.
2: Yeah, come on, Mitch, you definitely you definitely can. This guy is going to get okay. as much volume as Dalvin Cook and But well,
0: maybe this is the time that you have to sell, like right now because I feel like people are you reference it, you're fading. People are fading. You you mm-hmm. wanted to sell, right? Other people Well, not being...
2: everybody's fading. He's going to be a top 5 pick in redraft. So like he's still a lock to get a ton of targets. He's probably going to lead the league in, in targets at the running back position again. And yeah, he doesn't know, always man. get like a ton of carries compared to everybody else, but the carries he does you think
0: get... Jameis is going to be bounce passing him the ball though. Like I I'm just, I, I'm not if excited he's not, about He's going to get pulled
2: off the field for Taysom Hill. And that's what we saw last and
0: then year. then Taysom is... just going to close his eyes and fucking sprint forward, dude. I'm, I'm telling you, like it, the
1: fate is real. I agree with Mitch that you want to make sure that you're getting top five value if you're selling Alvin Kamara, but I don't think you should be so scared of the fade that you don't try to sell him or you don't think that you're going to get max value because I think you can. Honestly, I think you can probably get more from the right owner than I got, which was DeAndre Swift in a second. I, I am comfortable with that trade,
0: but some people I guess aren't. my question is, though, are you not buying Kamara at this point?
1: I am not buying Camara, no.
0: But are I you think buying Camara.
1: I mean, if I'm if I'm talking to you
2: and you want to sell him as like a running back 9 at this point, then maybe I I would. No, 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 You know, seven. If, if the fade is so real <laughs> and you can get that value, but what I'm what I'm telling you is he's the volume is going to be there. The offense yes is not going to be as good as it has been in the past, but um I I do think in redraft we're still going to see him go in the top 5, top 6 picks and now we're just counting down the years, right? Like is how much longer can he really do this for?
1: Yeah, it's not disputed. Look, here's the crux of the disagreement. Mitch is kind of saying I don't think you can sell him for max value because of the fade. I think me and Trey agree
0: that there are still plenty of managers in your dynasty league that will buy Alvin Kamara at a premium. I'm preview. saying the time is now. now I'm agreeing like now is now is the time because like I, I just think it, from this point forward like I I only see his value going down.
2: Okay, but for a contending roster, I mean, you need a top five running back, probably two of them. Uh, So top five is the question, though. Yeah,
1: I. I I think he's still going to get the volume to support it. Right. And redraft like you could also make the argument that if you think he's going to be a top five running back in 2021, you should wait until next year to sell him. Yeah. Because you can benefit from the top five and then still get value because you can reference to your trade partner. Oh, this is still a top five guy. But dynasty managers are smarter than that, I think, (laughs) by and large. They know that age cliffs, that production cliffs are coming. So I, I agree with both of you. I think he will be a top five running back. But I also think the time is now to sell him because you can still get max value for him. And you should always be churning running backs. After Alvin Kamara on the depth chart is Latavius Murray, who we have at running back 53. Trey, you kind of got a big fade on Latavius Murray. You have him at running back 72. He is 31 years old, but in my opinion, very much worth rostering. But why are you fading Latavius relative to consensus?
2: Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think when we've seen him on the field, he just really hasn't stepped into that role to that we saw with like Mark Ingram when he was also in that offense from a few years ago. So I feel like the the ship has kind of sailed on him at this point, so um, I I just I guess I'm just not a believer anymore. And for a 31 year old backup running back, that's not somebody I would go and target or rank highly.
1: Yep, I'm with you there. I'm out. I guess like in I will say in 2019 when Alvin Kamara did miss a couple of games, he was literally the running back one. So we know there's that handcuff ceiling, but again, he's 31, yeah. so I understand why he should be lower in terms of handcuffs. But I think. I think he should still be in the handcuff range of rankings, which is more like in the 40s and 50s. And I'll
2: say this, too. I think he could get drafted in like the last round of redrafts this year, too.
1: Ty Montgomery is unranked for us, but he might be a name to keep in mind if Camara goes flea market down. market
0: Montgomery.
1: Exactly. The flea market man himself, Ty Montgomery. Because I think unlike in 2019, they didn't really have a player that could fill the Camara pass catching role. Whereas now with Ty Montgomery, he's a guy that very much could. So that kind of lends credence to Trey's fade of Latavius Murray. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Michael Thomas is our consensus wide receiver 14. And he's another guy kind of like Chris Godwin that we talked about earlier. He was a darling of dynasty and then has been tanked by a horrid injury-ridden year. But unlike Godwin, we don't know how the QB situation is going to shake out. And he's also a bit older at 28 years old. John is bullish on him, slotting him in as a top eight guy. I actually moved him up a bit in the last few days ahead of T. Higgins and Keenan Allen. And as I think about it, he kind of smells like a buy to me. What do y'all think?
0: I do have him at 17 and it seems disrespectful. It absolutely seems disrespectful because like he's if he has Jameis Winston chunking him the rock like I just referenced a guy that might be able to go up and contest a catch. Well, that's Mike fucking Thomas right there. Like if Jameis Winston is a quarterback, like he could easily be a top 10 wide receiver. And I could definitely see where John's coming from there. Yeah, I think we faded him too far. And and there's probably going to be a correction here. I,
2: it, I think it's easy to project him for a top 10 wide receiver season this year, just based on the volume and the fact that he's going to be the man again in New Orleans. So um, I guess the question then is, should he be in that same range as guys like, Devontae Adams or Stephon Diggs, who we know are going to be also locks for elite volume. And he should definitely be a step below those guys, I think.
0: It was really tough to to propel him higher than guys like Allen Robinson and T. Higgins and Robert Woods and uh, like, Keenan Allen like these kinds of okay, guys Robert like, Woods but uh, that's the sticks out as the sore thumb in Mitch's ranking you know there, what but though continue. but Robert Woods has Matt Stafford throwing him the ball and like I don't know how long Jameis is going to be potentially throwing him the ball like like I, I'm not gonna lie man Taysom Hill throwing him the ball is not something that I'm looking for in in my fantasy lineup right I mean okay so I'll use that
1: as a transition because unlike Robert Woods, who has another really good wide receiver in his offense, in New Orleans, after Michael Thomas, there is just a glut of guys down the depth chart. The only guy that we really have on our radar is Traquan Smith at wide receiver 84 in our consensus, but currently unranked by both Mitch and John. There's also Deontay Harris, Marquez Callaway, Little Jordan Humphreys on the roster. They got a bunch of other no names, but there's after Michael Thomas, there is fucking nobody.
2: Yeah, so I do think Traquan Smith has an opportunity here to do what he's never done, which is kind of step up and establish himself as that wide receiver two option. Uh, Mitch is shaking his head. I I'll agree. It, nah, I, most likely Shit, he probably nah, most likely he probably won't become a, a viable every week fantasy option because he's had plenty of opportunities to do that and has never done it. Uh, So one of the guys who I'm liking as a late round dart throw is Marquez Callaway. So six foot one, 205 pounds. He was an undrafted free agent last year out of Tennessee. So that was the COVID shortened off season. So he kind of came in in a weird year and he missed four games last season with ankle and knee injuries. So he's really got a great athletic profile. I think he kind of slots in as a guy who could step in as a legitimate wide receiver two-type option. Um, so it's it's completely possible that he could rise to the top, even if they're going to give more of those looks to Tracon Smith uh, in week one.
0: Yeah, I don't think you should uh, roster any of these guys, dude. Like, like I feel like you say there has to be one of them, right? One of these. I don't think so. I think that, like, uh, the guy that's going to be the number two is either, like, going to be drafted next year or traded for this year if they really need a maybe...
1: guy. Or maybe... Perhaps he is Adam Troutman, so let's close out the show by talking about this tight end. He is tight end 25 in our consensus. He was out there last year for about half the snaps, blocking his living ass off. He is an extremely good blocker. PFF had him as the number one run-blocking tight end in the NFL last year in terms of his grade, but what's ironic is that his strength coming out of Dayton was that he was a really good pass catcher that essentially ran the offense at Dayton. So, he's a good blocker, he's going to be on the field and we know he has pass catching upside. So, you know, there's a ceiling here that I think a lot of dynasty players know and I think Adam Troutman is kind of a hot tight end sleeper name.
2: Yeah, so I mean, he's got the third round draft capital, so that's not bad and he's got the really good uh athletic score as well. So, um you know he's, I think he's already the number one tight end there for sure. Uh, <laughs> if we're worried about Taysom Hill not being able to throw it all that well, it, I mean maybe he will rely more on those check downs and that uh, the shorter, you know, throws to the line of scrimmage and target the tight end a bit more. The Truman, like you mentioned, he scored 14 touchdowns in 11 games as a senior at Dayton. So uh, the cutoff, the cutoff for the uh, to be a number one tight end or a top 12 tight end really isn't all that high. So I think he can easily hit it if he comes in as like a reliable red zone offense and gets like fifteen percent of that target share. Are
0: you guys are you guys trying to trying to get in on this guy? I I I would like to. I think
1: in my leagues the person who manages Adam Troutman is stuck on Adam Troutman. Right. Like they're not selling him for. Uh, but I think if I'm thinking macro and not micro, I think as kind of a tight end two, high end tight end three in dynasty rankings that on its own screams by to me but situationally the guy who owns troutman or manages troutman in your league is probably banking on that upside too well and
0: that's like what we've been preaching though it's that we get these tight ends and we hang on to them and hope that they appreciate and you don't want to buy one of these guys because you don't want to buy it for what the perceived price is for troutman This guy's not going to let him go because he's locked in. And he's like, well, I'm going to sell him to you for what I think his potential is.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think this year, Troutman would probably be worth about whatever the pick was that went for Pat Fryermuth, right? Because they're going to be in about that same range and
1: a late, late second and one QB.
2: Yeah. Late second, early third uh, for sure. Uh, Because, you know, if he does what I think he can do and step in and be a reliable red zone threat then he could easily perform as a top 12 tight end. And if he does that, he will jump way up in our rankings into that top 10 range because he's only in his second year as a pro.
1: He is a perfect guy to target as a throw in player for another trade for a trade with involving bigger pieces that Adam Troutman is the guy that you can add in at the last second to kind of grease the wheels of a trade, because then you have a higher chance of acquiring him. Whereas if you're just trying to pay the price for Troutman himself, you're probably not going to get there because the manager is so high on Troutman. But if he is the guy that greases the wheels, then you're kind of adding upside to an already existing trade that you wanted to get done. Does that make sense?
0: Go get the Fisherman. Go
1: get them. Go get them. All right. Reel them in. All right, homies. That brings us to the end of this NFC South preview, review, whatever you want to call
0: it. Marathon marathon that's another
1: another marathon we always we always do it we bring it for our listeners you know what i'm saying so uh hope you got two days to listen to this episode (laughs) next week we are getting into the afc south so we get to talk about mitch's beloved titans and uh, a lot of other really interesting dynasty relevant players in that division all right homies see you next week Peace. peace see ya